welcome to Beauty Island, the award-nominated beauty podcast that celebrates life and lipstick. I am your host, beauty journalist, Brittany Stewart. If you are new here, or you just need a little reminder of what we do, each episode I sit down with a guest and ask them about the eight beauty products that have a special memory or meaning for them, the ones they take to a desert island, aka Beauty Island, that I am sending them off to. Maybe it's the first beauty product they ever bought, the one that gives them their signature look, or the perfume that instantly sparks a memory of a special place or person. Along the way, we find out more about their life, career, and the people and events that have shaped them into who they are today. And today, we have come to the season finale of season five of Beauty Island. Gosh, it has been a strange year to say the least but I am so so grateful for all your support with the two seasons and that special beauty isolation lockdown series that we did this year. As I mentioned in last week's episode Beauty Island was a finalist for best arts and culture podcast which for an independent podcast run by just me is a huge huge honour. We didn't win, unfortunately, but it is such a pinch me moment to be nominated and I couldn't do it without you. So thank you so much. Be taking a bit of a break over summer and and returning in 2021 with Beauty Island. But the good news is that my Chris and I've been getting a few messages about this, actually. My Christmas podcast, A Christmas Binge, will be returning for a second year. A fun and festive listen that looks at what we watch, what we eat and how we celebrate. Talking with interesting guests. The first episode will drop early December and I have some stellar guests lined up. So keep your eyes and ears out for that. And I'll put a link to listen and subscribe in the show notes. If you haven't listened before, you've got last year's season. There's four episodes for you to dive into. They're pretty timeless. So you can listen at any point to get you into the festive mood. On to this season finale. Today, my guest is founder of self-care originals, Rachel Akidanor. Described as a social enterprise disrupting the wellness industry by advocating for self-care for all, self-care originals' current form is wearable activism and a content platform. But as you'll hear in this interview, it's really just the beginning for this brilliant, inclusive platform that Rachel is building I thought it particularly fitting to end the season and the year with this interview with Rachel uh, in arguably a year where we've talked about the concept of self-care more than ever. In a really insightful and hopefully thought-provoking chat, at least it was for me, we talked about what self-care actually means versus what we're sold it should be, what the wellness industry needs to do to welcome more diversity, Rachel's love of blush and the affordable and unexpected oil she says is a game changer for dry skin. If you enjoy this episode, please rate and write a review on Apple Podcasts or hit that subscribe button on Spotify if you haven't already. You can also recommend to a friend or many friends by sharing a screenshot on your Instagram story. Just don't forget to tag at Beauty Island Podcast so I can see. As an independent podcaster, those things really help more people to discover the podcast so I can keep making it for you. Now, over to Rachel. Enjoy. Rachel, welcome to Beauty Island. I am very excited to be talking to you today about your beauty favourites, your beauty journey, and of course, self-care on many levels. So welcome. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. Rachel, I would love to I kind of start with where your beauty journey all began and what was your first memory of beauty? Did the women or the people in your family have much interest in beauty when you were growing up? It's actually quite funny because my approach and I guess interpretation of beauty is very, a little bit non-traditional, I guess. I was never the person who was really into makeup or beauty from an aesthetics point of view. In fact, growing up, I don't even think I really took much notice of what I looked like. For me, it was more about how I felt and being a very academic child. It was very much about being able to perform. And so, for me, it was doing practices and using products and tools that kind of helped me be my best self in a very kind of 
holistic sense, I guess. And so as a result, it wasn't until I finished high school and as a part-time job, I started working for a high-end women's wear designer at their flagship store in Armadale. And that kind of like catapulted me into the world of beauty, I guess. They worked a lot with Mecca and obviously being on the shop floor, like we had to wear makeup all the time. We had a a makeup, a beauty guidelines. And we had these Mecca nights where they would, we'd go to the Mecca stores and they'd teach us like how to put on makeup and the new trends and things like that. And that was really like where I learned (laughs) about beauty and makeup in a more traditional kind of sense. And that wasn't until I was around 19, 20 years old. So yeah, it was definitely a delayed start for me. But I guess that those kind of beginnings and the way in which I interpreted beauty from when I grew up has definitely carried on through to how I approach beauty now, where I am interested in obviously like the aesthetics and the look and how I feel, but it's very much informed, yeah, around how I I feel mainly and using kind of those traditional beauty products to make me feel a certain way. I love that. And I I wonder if the first product on your list is one from those mechanites, or maybe it came a bit earlier, but it is kind of the first product that you remember buying for yourself, which is the NARS tinted moisturizer. So tell me a bit more about that one. Yes. So it's funny because I was never really into beauty, but I loved fashion, loved, like was so obsessed, knew every designer all the creative directors and I would just like pour through the fashion magazines. And I remember, I think I was like 16 or 17. The only actually, the only beauty product that I kind of used in those later years of high school really was if I was going to wear makeup, which was very rarely, was the tinted moisturizer. And the reason why I came across NARS was because I saw that Nas, the guy who started Nas, he did the makeup for a Marc Jacobs show. And I'd seen the, the the makeup products that they had used at the Marc Jacobs show in like a Vogue article. And I was like, oh my God, this brand Nas, that's, if I'm going to wear makeup, that has to be the brand that I wear. And I remember this was, it's about 10 years ago now and Mecca was such a tiny store in comparison to how it is now. But I remember like hunting and finding Mecca because it was the only place that stocked NARS at the time. And um, yeah, just purchasing the tinted moisturizer because it was the most like entry level thing to, to buy. And it had that fashion endorsement as well. Yes, definitely. Definitely. And then from that, Can you remember your first interaction with the concept of self-care and I suppose both like coming across it for the first time and then the point in your life that it became more personal or an essential part of your life? With self-care, it's quite funny because I guess the way in which we interpret it now is this, this like big industry or concept that has kind of come up and we ascribe to it as a result of the market, I guess, and having seen it in the marketplace. And that is very much not how I first became acquainted with self-care. In fact, it didn't even really have a term when I first like explored it. I didn't really know what it was, but it was very much linked to, uh, I guess, spiritual practices and that concept of like, doing things to help me be the best version of myself. So the the buzz term now is self-care, but I guess back then it would have been personal development, um, self-development, self-help. You know, it's funny how these concepts, they just evolve for like the current, uh, the current generation. But yeah, I remember first coming across it or just like concepts of looking inward. When I went to Asia, I was very lucky that my parents are very big on travel and would always take us to to different countries around the world growing up as a way to kind of just get some exposure and, and see how other people lived. And from when I was about 12 or 13 years old, we always went to a different Asian country every year. And so from such a young age, going to Buddhist countries like Thailand and Laos and seeing monks, I remember seeing monks for the first time. 
I was like, wow, like these people are so still and so present and just, they just had this aura of like peace around them. And I was so intrigued by what they did. And that's kind of how I started to explore concepts and very preliminary concepts of Buddhism. And that's how I came across meditation. And so it really, that was like the spark of, well, like we can look inward and we can develop and nurture ourselves as a whole. And this is going to help me be a more authentic version of myself, be a better version of myself. And so that was kind of where it started, the the interest in looking inward, human development, the human condition, and seeing what my potential was. And then naturally, as I got older, I then it then kind of turned a bit more into wellness and yoga in the sense of when my first years of law school, though, I really for the first time ever had to grapple with anxiety on a kind of a very um, acute scale. And I didn't really know what it was at the time, but I remember being so just really just feeling like I wanted to try yoga. And the first time I did that, I was like, wow, this really, really helps my anxiety and helps me stay really calm and grounded. And obviously with all the backing of the knowledge that I had just accumulated from years of self-interest when it came to kind of meditation and self-development and that type of stuff, it just, it, it, doing yoga for the first time and practicing that kind of then opened another doorway into, wow, so there's this thing called wellness. And I kind of saw how all the concepts merged together. And then it wasn't until years later where the concept of self-care arose. And for me, you know, Oyster Magazine called my brand um, a a leader of the self-care movement. I think because at the time, what we did was promote it on this concept of self-care. It was such a new word. Nobody even, unless you were kind of in those wellness circles, people hadn't heard of it before. And I remember using self-care as just a way to describe looking after my whole self, like mind, body, spirit. It was something that it just made sense to me to say, yeah, I'm looking after myself. It's like self-care. It's like self-development or self, you know, it's just another word. And then that was kind of maybe a year to two years before then like this industry has come up and this, this term that everybody now knows and is acquainted with. But, but back then for me, it was just a way to describe looking after yourself in a really that like holistic manner. And I think you made a really interesting point there of kind of what, The concept of self-care is something that isn't new, but that term very much is. And it's almost kind of become, or not almost, it has become commercialized by the beauty and the wellness industry. So I think, and I I would love to hear your thoughts on that, but I would love to know for you what you define self-care as versus what you think kind of the meaning has become because of that commercialization, particularly in the beauty and wellness spaces where it's become very product focused as opposed to kind of practice. Yeah. For me, self-care is, like I said, that there are so many different levels in how I answer this question because it's it's so broad, you know, Mm. it's, it is on a very kind of tangible elementary level. It is caring for your whole self all elements of yourself or all different elements of yourself. So mentally, physically, spiritually. Um, So that's that very broad umbrella term. And for me, what that looks like is so individual and so unique and it can range from a, a particular practice or ritual to an intention or a mental state um, or self-talk it really is just tools that help us get through life and help us navigate life um, in with more ease and more compassion and especially that compassion towards ourselves, which then flows on to, to, to allow us to be more compassionate to others. So self-care is this very beautiful concept, very grounded in compassion and love and it's got this very nurturing feel for me. And then I guess the juxtaposition of that is then what self-care, what we're sold self-care is, which is products, 
or a particular thing. And it's so largely linked now to wellness. And they're actually quite different. You know, I I personally don't really ascribe to wellness. Like I, I don't think people would look at me and say, wow, you're so passionate about wellness. For me, it's more about self-care, which is more about caring for myself and looking inward and learning about myself and doing, it's more of that self-development kind of self-awareness spectrum as opposed to being a very um, healthy it's funny because I'm, I'm saying healthy, but then I realize that I guess wellness is more about the physical health for me, how I interpret how the, the how the industry puts it as opposed to healthy on a holistic, mentally, physically, spiritual level. But yeah, the the image that we're kind of sold is is one that's very, for me, still very tied up with that physical body which we've always had that has always been an issue I think. I mean now we're getting a little bit more there's a lot more traction in terms of the mental body but they're still very lacking in the spiritual body and taking care of your spiritual well-being and what that even means no one's it's not that's not really gained that much traction in the mainstream yet. So for me that kind of industry image of this is self-care and this is wellness is very tied up in how in the the I guess the operations of the physical body and this very clean, pristine, very um, it's like not messy, not human, perfect mm. person <laughs> that is like the antithesis of what the self care I get like self care at its bones is actually about. It's kind of like funny how it's like quite the opposite. It's kind of wild when you when you see what it. Um, explore what it actually is and then you look at what we're sold it is, is quite wild to see how different those two images are. And I want to talk to you more about that. But first, I want to hear about your second product on your list, which is your kind of old faithful, which which are the Dr. Dennis Gross Alpha Beta Universal Daily Peel Pads. Yes. So these, these I, I learned about from the Mecca Nights. <laughs> right. um, so I remember in my first ever session, just being like so overwhelmed with all the beauty, with all the like makeup stuff. I was, I was, it was just overwhelming. So I really loved the skincare that for me, I completely got on board with. And they had been talking to us about these peel pads. And then I bought some and tried it and it was amazing for my skin it it can get um the pigmentation can mean that it changes color a lot when i i tan very very easily and any time i get one pimple one spot it will color so for me those peel pads helps to even out the skin tone which is something that is my main kind of concern. So they're my go-to. If I use a packet of them, I'll be completely fine. And obviously you mentioned these kind of sessions as being your first kind of proper introduction into the world of beauty. And I think there are actually a lot of conversations, particularly in the last few months, about kind of beauty is fun when you can explore it obviously the downside to that is kind of the pressure to feel or look a certain way. Was this exposure something you kind of enjoyed learning about? Yeah, I I did like learning about it because I'm not one of those people who would have learned about it if I hadn't been forced to. Um, I'm just not one of those people who would be spending my time, you know, on YouTube. For me, even when I wear makeup, it's very minimal. It's just enhancing what I already kind of, what I already look like. So it's literally just some face product, blush, mascara, a lip, if I can be bothered. And that's, that's kind of it. So it was just really just teaching me about those just basics. I, I didn't go too exploratory, but I guess with that, in terms of feeling, you know, it it could be a pressure for some people. I think that so many things could be um, not only 
a source of anxiety, but quite oppressive. But I think that a lot of that comes down to how you feel internally and whether you allow that to put you down because you don't know as much information or there's you feel like there's a pressure from the outside. Um, I'm currently reading Pandora Sykes' new mm-hmm. book. It's called uh, How Do We Know We're Doing yes, It Right? Yes. Which I I did, I found her first chapter on wellness absolutely infuriating. I did not like it at all, but that's another story. Um, But I guess with her concept of, again, with wellness and self-care, she found it really oppressive. But I, 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 I challenge, you know, is that because you, you yourself have some insecurity there that when you kind of see something, it can be to you feel like you need to live up to it as opposed to like even with the wellness and self-care industry now, you know, it's uh, like annoying that we're being sold something. But I don't, you know, I, I know what it is for me and I feel very strong in what I see it being. And so I don't find it oppressive because I know what it is for me. And I guess that's kind of like with beauty. I know that it's not, you know, with makeup, sorry. For me, I know that. I don't need to know the most, you know, amazing way to do my eyes. I'm comfortable with just doing the bare minimum and that's fine for me. And I feel very strong in in that. And I don't feel as though I'm less than or anything like that because I don't know how to do X, Y, and Z. So I think a lot of it comes down as well to kind of, yeah, how, how you feel inside and whether you have some insecurity there that then gets picked at by um, something external. I think that's such an interesting and good point because it's one of those things where, you know, we sort of talk about, particularly as women, when we get older, we kind of care less about those things because I think it's exactly what you're saying. We've worked out or feel stronger in understanding who we are. So I suppose it's when you're still trying to get to that point when, like you said, you might feel insecure or more susceptible to outside pressures. Yeah, definitely. I think it all comes down to how you feel internally and I guess that self-knowledge, self-awareness, piece, which is why I love self-care at a really, you know, that really broad definition of it. Because for me, self-care, these activities, they seem trivial, but they are, for many people, the first time anyone, they've actually stopped and looked inwards or done something for themselves that then makes them more conscious of their physical being, their mental being, their spiritual being. And that inevitably sparks some sort of self-awareness. You know, you might realize like, oh, I realized that I actually talk to myself in a really negative way. And it feels really unnatural for me to give myself this time, this hour with a candle and to sit in the bathtub. Why do I feel like this is so unnatural for me? And so those questions, you're starting to bring some consciousness to some unconscious thought patterns or practices or things that you do, and you're building that self-awareness. And just like anything, the more energy you put to it, the more it'll give give back. So if you start looking inward, you start becoming a bit more self-aware, then that will grow and you may want to explore more internally, become more inquisitive about why you are the way you are and what you do. And it's just, it it helps you then build a, have a really strong sense of self where it's not about saying, you know, and this is where the concepts of self-love and self-love movement and all that type of stuff, you know, it's for me, I, I find it, I just, I take it with a grain of salt because for me, you know, it's not about looking at yourself and saying, I'm the most amazing person ever and I can do no wrong and I'm just the best. <laughs> it's like, it's not about that at all. It's about looking at yourself and being able to say, I have these amazing things. These are my weaknesses and my faults, but all in all, I'm going to accept myself and love myself, but I'm not, I don't think I'm any better than anyone else. I just, you know, I'm just me. And there's something really like compassionate and grounded and humble and like that true self-love. Earlier this year, you wrote a great piece for Fashion Journal about, I suppose, the broader wellness industry. And we talk about, you know, the voices that tend to dominate that space are not particularly diverse or inclusive. You talk about, 
you know, and it it, it being very whitewashed and centered on thinness and whiteness and, and privilege. And, it, and in that piece, you kind of talked about particular moments like being in an ex- exercise class or a yoga class and, and being the only person of color. And it sounds a stupid question, like a simple question to say out loud, but it's obviously something that the wellness industry isn't doing. Why is it important that everyone feels seen in wellness and self-care and that feels like it is something for them? So it's interesting because for me personally, I felt comfortable being in wellness and self-care spaces. And I think I could attribute that to kind of growing up and being so interested in the human condition and all of that. So for me, it just felt like a natural progression. I was so passionate about it that I could go in and and I guess had had even been meditating for a couple of years before I stepped into that yoga studio for the first time. So it was kind of my world. It was my language that I already spoke. And then I w- could also attribute that to um, my comfortability to growing up in predominantly white spaces. You know, I, in primary school, I was one of two children um, in my class who were black. So, and then even going on from there, most of my friends are white. I, I've just, I, I don't even think of it. I don't even think twice. I'm so used to it. It's just part and parcel with how I've been brought up, I guess. So for me, it was never a barrier because I'm always in white spaces. So it, it just, it felt fine for me to be part of that. And it's it's so funny because even when I spoke originally, this was a couple of years ago to my friends who were who were white women, they would even say when they saw me practicing yoga, like I feel so intimidated going into a yoga class. And that just blew my mind because for me, that was my world. I was so confused by how anyone could be intimidated by it. So if you think that, you know, then I I came to realize that people who have been shown in advertising and by the industry that this is for you, if they feel still a bit uncomfortable or a bit daunted by the whole world of wellness or self-care or yoga, you know, imagine what it would be like for people where it's not even, they're not even given the opportunity to, to be shown into the door, you know. It was actually in hearing an interview with Minaj Diaz, who I, I spoke about in that Fashion Journal article. Um, he is an amazing Melbourne-based meditation teacher and owner of a studio called Open. He was the one who first introduced me to the concept of um race inequality in in wellness. And it wasn't until I heard an interview where he talked about it, where it just clicked for me. And this was only a year or two ago when I heard that. And then I started to notice it everywhere. I would go to yoga classes and I'd do this thing where I would count the amount of people, people of color in the room or the men in the room and there would always be, you know, one, if I was lucky, it would just be me. And then I had the opportunity to speak to Johnny Pollard, who is the founder of One Giant Mind. I spoke to him last year and I asked him, you know, again, I was at a, medita- a meditation, I guess, um, what would I call it? It was a, it's not a forum, but I forgot what the word is for a, yeah, it was kind of like a meditation um day where we um, got to ask Johnny questions and we meditated. And again, in that that day of 30 people, again, I was the only person of color in the room. And I asked him, you know, have you noticed this as well? And he had been, had lived in New York for many years. And he actually said that, yes, like I'd be very aware that wellness is very white and I asked him, well, then how would you change that? And he asked it back to me, like, what do we need to do to invite more people and be more diverse? And for me, the first thing that comes to mind is just representation, just seeing people that look like you then invites you to participate. 
it's very subtle. It's, you know, I think at the moment I've been seeing a lot about, a lot of people have been saying, you know, hashtag um, advocacy is kind of, you know, it doesn't really do anything and it's, and I guess people could say that about representation as well and just, you know, what's the, if you, you just put, you know, people of color in an ad, what's that going to do? Like we need to change it more. And, uh, you know, my view on that is that obviously, you know, there is so much more that can be done, but that's a really great first step. And it's great for the people who who see themselves in in that, who have never seen themselves in an ad like that before. So for me, that's kind of the first the first thing and the first kind of point of call. And then the second, I guess, is just greater awareness, talking about it more, because that a lot of people been indoctrinated into this kind of perception of wellness unwittingly. They, you know, just like myself, I had no idea that until it's brought to your awareness, you know, you actually just won't realize that wellness and self-care looks a particular way and why is it you won't even start questioning it until you're kind of aware of it. And so I guess by talking about it, making people aware of it, making people question, they then can, you know, further that conversation and hopefully it will empower people to be a bit more conscious with the businesses and brands in the industry that they support. You know, we're so lucky as consumers today that we really can um, support and choose to, uh, we can support and guess advocate for the brands and businesses that we ascribe to in terms of like uh, that are in aligned alignment with our values through our follows, through our likes, through our dollars, we're supporting a business and a brand and we're affirming the image that they're, they're putting out into the world. And so being conscious of that, it kind of, kind of puts the power back into our own hands. If we're aware that there's an issue, then maybe when we see a wellness brand and it's all white on their feed or it's very kind of that that kind of whitewashed cream and white aesthetic look that's so conducive and part and parcel, I guess, with what the industry perceives as wellness, you know, maybe we'll we'll think twice about whether we want to follow them or whether we want to buy their product or whether we want to, you know, like some of their photos. So yeah, it's, it's an interesting, it's interesting that it hasn't been talked about before and people haven't been aware of it, but it's also really hopeful. It makes me really hopeful that it feels like we're gaining traction now and it feels like people are becoming more and more aware of it. And so I think that's only going to get stronger and stronger and stronger as we move forward. Absolutely. And I think that kind of covers what my next question was, which was you touched on the role of social media. Obviously it plays a part in perpetuating that stereotype, but it also maybe gives um, an opportunity to change as well, because like you said, it does give the power to the individual to put themselves up, to show their passion for it that's outside of the kind of controlled aesthetics, as you were saying, of some of the bigger brands who aren't doing it. Yes, definitely. And that's, you know, it's all about, for me, I'm a big believer in in questioning and always challenging kind of concepts or putting your two cents in. I love people who have opinions on things and who feel passionately about things and who feel, feel strong enough in themselves to and their kind of identity to then share their own perception on how things are. You know, like my interpretation of self-care is that's something that's quite, you know, I, I, I believe that everybody should come up with their own interpretation of what it means and then share that with the world because it is I, – I don't really understand why we blindly accept things, especially when something like self-care or even just wellness as a whole, you know, it's such a – these are just things to help us live, you know, with more ease and live better, live a more fulfilling, more satisfied life, for however that looks like for each of us. So instead of kind of just accepting that that's – accepting like this is what it looks like, this is what health looks like, this is what wellness looks like, actually having the the courage or even I guess not even courage, it's more the self-awareness to know like, no, this is actually what it looks like for me. And then sharing that is such a beautiful, um, a beautiful thing. 
third product on your list, which is kind of your your everyday luxury or the product that makes you feel quite lush, which for you is the Aesop hand wash. Yes, I love Aesop so much. I am just a big believer in feeling really lush and beautiful every day. And for me, it's like the little things that make me feel that way. Invest in, yeah, a beautiful hand wash. So every time I wash my hands, I feel just mm, good. (laughs) I love it. It's so, it just makes me feel so great. And I think that especially with isolation, just being at home all the time, you know, it's, that's when actually before then, I think because I was not, in my house 24-7. I didn't really take much notice and things like that. But now it's just it's just a small bit of luxury that really has changed my mood and kind of my my um my mental state. So yeah, it's a good little everyday item that I use. You obviously are the founder of Self-Care Originals, which um, as well as a brand is is more than just a brand because it's a community, it's a conversation starter, talking about what we were speaking about before, talking about self-care and, and a lot to those who have been missed or left out of the conversation before. And you describe uh, what Self-Care Original does as wearable activism. Um, you obviously at the moment you have merch tees and $5 from every sale goes to Lifeline Australia. Tell me a bit more about deciding to start that and what impact you hope it has. The idea came a few years ago. I was at at a brunch with a girlfriend of mine and this was before the concept of self-care had really hit the mainstream. So I had been whilst at uni, whilst also working part-time for that women's wear designer, I was a freelance, well, still am a freelance copywriter. And I so happened that quite a few of my clients were in the wellness industry. So I had a yoga studio, um, meditation teacher, et cetera. And so that's, I, I got kind of deeper and deeper and deeper that time into kind of the wellness world. Back then it was not wellness as we think of it today. It was very much more that yoga, uh, meditation, almost a little bit hippie, a little bit left of center, a little bit more spiritual than how we would perceive wellness to be now. So I was at coffee with my friend and I had been talking about how I wanted to look after myself better. And so I'd just been saying like, I just really want to prioritize my self-care this year. And she stopped me and was like, what is self-care? And it was actually quite funny. She she said, do you mean like going to the gym more? And my brain was like exploding because I was like, how have you never come across that term? And it just it hit me so clearly that unless at that time, unless you were really in that kind of wellness world, the concept of looking inward or caring for yourself holistically had just gone completely unnoticed or at least it did for the 21, 22, 23-year-olds at the time. And I realized in that moment that I wanted to promote that term, I guess, just get more people aware of this term self-care and hopefully get them to practice it. Because for me, it just, it was like, how could you not be looking after yourself holistically, like your mental as well as your physical and spiritual body? Anyways. So I decided, you know, a good way to kind of bridge the gap between the wellness, that wellness world and the mainstream was by naming the brand self-care, at least having the logo be self-care and then putting that on t-shirts. And then, because people liked clothes, like mainstream, you know, the people in kind of the mainstream world, everyday world, my friends, you know, my family, they liked clothes. And so if they had, they saw a t-shirt which said self-care on it, it may make them think, oh, that's a bit weird. I wonder what that is. And it maybe it will help them familiarize themselves with the term self-care. And in turn, it kind of means that the wearer is really using their clothes to make a statement in a really tangible way. You know, we do that every day anyways, when we get dressed and we choose what we want to wear. We're always telling the world and we're showing the world through our clothing kind of what we stand for. 
And I thought it was a fun way of kind of putting those two things together, that um, activism into a very everyday action. And so I called it wearable activism because for me it just made sense that that's what it was. And, yeah, I just started selling T-shirts. Since then the brand has definitely evolved in that, you know, we started when self-care was not known and then it became very known and um, we didn't need to promote on self-care anymore because everybody knew what it was. And that's when my focus changed into, okay, you know, I actually want to really focus on promoting, I guess, getting people, to, inviting people into the conversation about what it really is, A, and doing it in a way that invites everyone into the conversation about looking inward and not having it being linked to a particular product in terms of, you know, buy this incense and you'll be well or you'll practice practice self-care mm-hmm. by doing X, Y, and Z. It was more you what it, you can engage in any activity that looks like self-care or that sounds like self-care or that is self-care for you. And we're just going to be talking about more the broader themes, getting you to think about kind of the greater concepts that are behind that. And that's still what, that's what we do. So it's really kind of that making people really question and think about it in a little bit, in a perhaps a more a deeper or more nuanced way, which, um, which isn't really out there. And then also really advocating on self-care for all. So I guess by not being linked to any particular self-care product, it allows us to kind of open it up to everyone and, you know, not it allows people um, from all socioeconomic backgrounds and all races and genders and sexual orientations because for us it's not about a particular self-care practice but rather, hey, we think that you should look inward because we think that that could be really helpful to you or it might not be at this point of time in your life but this is just the concept of self-care and this is kind of something that is really helpful for us and we think it could be helpful for you too. From an outside perspective, like the reception and support seems to have been incredible. Was that, has the growth surprised you of what you started? Yeah, it's it's funny because I still see there's so much that I want to do and this, uh, there's so many things that are, are coming up in the next, I have plans for the next year, two years, three years. So it's always funny. I, I feel like when I guess because I'm in it, it isn't until somebody says it back to me, like, wow, you like, you know, you've really grown so much that I can actually really appreciate kind of where we have come from and I guess where we are now. It is, it is really nice to feel like it's resonating at the beginning. So I originally um, had a very different look to how it has is now when I made the pivot to focusing into promoting on self-care for all, I really made it, you know, obviously the focus is on diversity and representation and wellness. And at the beginning, it was not very well received. I felt like I was banging my head against the wall most of the time because I I would be like, we rebranded and we're all focused about diversity and representation in wellness. And it was honestly like falling on deaf ears. It was crickets. People were like, cool, like awesome. It wasn't until the resurgence of the BLM movement that changed all that for us. You know, I had originally been in communication with press and editors in January and end of last year about our rebrand and diversity and wellness, you know, representation and not one article, not one outlet said that this was an issue that they wanted, they felt needed to be talked about at the time. So it really like that, there was a good like six months at the beginning of the year where it was like, oh my God, I see that there's an issue here and I want to get people talking about it and it's just not landing. And so, yeah, in that middle of the year, I think when a lot more awareness came to kind of just, I guess, the issue when it comes to diversity and representation, that's where we, I really then was like, all right, we have, we're finally, we're getting some resonance and we're getting some traction. And I guess the doors were open to then have that conversation and allow that to happen. Does it almost, obviously it's 
great and overdue that we're having this conversation now, like you said, um, in the last few months. But is there almost kind of a, a bittersweet feeling about it that you were trying to talk about this for before, but the mainstream wasn't ready for that conversation or did seem willing to have that conversation? Yes, it was It was a weird feeling of like gratitude that finally it's happening in terms of like finally there's some traction here and then like, ugh, that's kind of annoying. There's <laughs> a bit of resentment. And I think that's just like every a, – a lot of BIPOCs have been feeling that about the BLM resurgence um, because it's, you know, kind of like how, how did people – how weren't people aware of this? But – I don't know. I, I I think to people like Minaj, who has been doing this f- and championing this far longer than I have, and I just think like, you know, how much more, you know, it's for me. It's only been the past year or two, and then other people have dedicated their lives to championing this issue, and so it, you know, I really can't complain too much. I, I am mainly just grateful that it, the conversation is happening, and I feel like it feels. Like it's not going to revert back to how it was. I feel like this, there really is change happening and that gets me really excited. The fourth and fifth products on your list are your go-tos. We've got the uh, we've got Epsom salts and then another product from NARS. We've got the iconic cult blush in Orgasm. Tell me about your your use and love for those two products. Yes. So they both are used in very (laughs) different ways. Um, And I guess for different moods, they elicit a very different feeling in me. The blush, I love blush. And I only learned about blush two years ago, which is wild because now every time I go out, I always wear blush. It just, I love the feeling of looking you know, pink-cheeked and excited and I guess I'm a very excitable person. I have a, I've been told, a very like passionate, effervescent kind of energy and so I just think that it's so reflective of me as a person to have like these kind of pink cheeks. Um, it mirrors my my personality. And then my go-to to just sort me out at any moment in time, uh, Epsom salts. I love an Epsom salt bath. I have about three a week. I'm so obsessed with them. They just, if I ever feel clouded, like my head is just, I can't think clearly. I'll have a really hot Epsom salt bath. If my muscles are achy, I'll have an Epsom salt bath. If I feel really just I just need to like be cleansed. I'll have an Epsom salt bath. It's just like my go-to to get me in a good, very grounded. I feel very nurtured once I have an Epsom salt bath. So that's another go-to of mine. As you mentioned, you are studying law. You're a writer. Obviously, two great backgrounds and skills to have anyway, but particularly good when you are creating something and building a brand as you are. You kind of mentioned that you've got what you want to do with self-care originals for the next few years planned. But if you can't reveal the specifics, what are kind of your your bigger goals or what's next for self-care originals? So for the brand, for me, I've I've always wanted a really strong content arm because I guess just like the t-shirts being kind of the entry point or like, you know, a reminder or a, a form of advocacy, um, for a form of activism or even just a way to then think about things a little bit more deeply, you know, it's like that's the starting point and then I want to provide content that then continues on that conversation. And so um, we're actually starting a very beginning steps of of, of that where uh, we'll be sharing some interviews that we've done which were actually done pre-COVID. So it's been a while. It's been a while. That's been in the works for a very long time. Um, But I definitely can't wait for that to grow and namely just have continue that conversation around those higher levels of self-care and looking inward and people's insecurities and vulnerabilities and just really being that and I guess it's a form of self-exploration as well as just connectivity with ourselves and others in a really candid and open, beautiful way. So 
um, that's kind of where the, what the brand will be, kind of it will be a further extension of the brand. So we've started with our merch and then we'll, we'll start having some more conversations about kind of the broader concepts of self-care and I guess what we advocate for. I can't wait to dive into that. That all sounds fantastic. Yeah, thank you. We're getting to the final few products on your list. So the sixth product is the thing that gives you a confidence boost, which for you is music. So I would love to hear, and is this playing or listening? And if the latter, what what kind of music is is on your playlist that we're talking about? Yes, I love music so much. You know, I think it just, this product or thing, <laughs> this beauty thing, heralds to my perception of beauty as just For me, a beautiful person is a person who just embodies their whole self and has a really beautiful, strong sense of self and is is not trying to be anyone else, but it's just themselves. I love, it's all about energy for me. I think beauty is not even about, you know, the exact aesthetic, but more the energy that you feel when you're with that person. And a huge way that I shift energy is through music. So music and and I did play music when I was younger, but I don't anymore, unfortunately, but I do love listening to music and it will really just depend on the mood that I'm trying to invoke or I guess the energy that I'm trying to exude. So if I want to feel really grounded and kind of um, connected to myself, I'll listen to something quite mellow, maybe some jazz, maybe something quite like sultry, or if I'm wanting to get into a really meditative state, I love ambient sounds and like ambient music, like Albrecht Lebroy and a couple other amazing left of center electronic artists. And then there's, I love disco and funk and soul if I'm wanting to have higher energy. And so it it very much, the genre will change depending on the mood that I'm trying to evoke or the energy that I'm trying to give off. But it is the key to getting me into a good mood. I think people are so colorful. And so I love, you know, having all these different sides to me. And I think that these things, they help liberate me to show these different sides of myself. I think that people people should, if they're not conscious of all the different versions of themselves or elements of themselves, they should definitely explore it, even putting on different music and seeing what energy is evoked. It just helps, I guess, it helps you build a stronger sense of self to be more intimately acquainted with all the different sides of you. It's a really, yeah, I love it. It's beautiful. The piece in Fashion Journal I mentioned earlier, there were so many great quotes and points, obviously, but one that stood out to me that I would love to um, hear more of your thoughts on is this is this um, to engage in self-care is not frivolous nor self-indulgent I believe it is in fact selfless and I think that is such an important point when we're talking about self-care particularly when we talk about the meaning the true meaning whatever that is to you kind of being lost along the way why do you think that's a really important thing for people to remember that looking after yourself is not selfish it just isn't (laughs) it just just isn't you know it's like if you can't if you're not whole or if you're not feeling good then how can you expect that any work that you produce is going to be of great quality or your relationships you know for me, it's always it's so funny. People say, I don't have time to practice self-care. I don't have time to meditate or do whatever it is that they do. And I feel that as well in that I live a very busy life, got a lot of things going on at the one time. But even, for example, this morning, I knew that if I didn't do that 20-minute meditation, the work that I produced would just not be as good as it could be. And so it's it is it is selfless because you're doing these things so that you can show up and give and be your best and be your most present in the world. And that is such a gift to have someone who is present, to have someone who is genuinely with you when you're engaging with them is so rare and is such a selfless act, especially in the world where 
we're so in our heads and we're so doing a million things at once. It is so selfless to, or to, yeah, really be conscious as to the work that you're doing or the connections that you're growing. So it's a, it just means that you can be, I don't even want to say the word better because I feel like to be a better human is such a loaded term and there's a lot of, you know, people think that there's a lot of pressure with that, but it is about just being kind of your your best version and being your best version and the flow-on effects of that are amazing. And it's if you can kind of do things and nurture yourself, you'll not only show up in the world with, you know, more energy, with a more open heart, more compassionately, more grounded, you know, and the flow on effects of that to all the other people that you'll impact is just a prime example of how self-care is quite selfless. The seventh product on your list is your holy grail or greatest discovery, which for you is organic sesame oil. So tell me about why this has become your greatest discovery or holy grail. Yes. So I practice Ayurveda because I have had many, many issues with my stomach. I'm lactose intolerant, gluten intolerant, fructose intolerant. So um, I practice Ayurveda to help me with all those things. And um, my Ayurvedic practitioner had told me that I should use, I should self-massage with sesame oil. It's just great for the my constitution i obviously being my dad is nigerian so i have very dry skin like many other african people and so for me when i would put on moisturizer it would dissipate in a second like it was i'd put it on and my skin would be soft for a minute and then it'd go back to being dry so i found that when i would do these self massages with the sesame oil that my skin would actually stay, stay so nourished and supple that I just thought, why don't I just moisturize myself with this all the time? And so I've begun doing that for the past few months, maybe six months or so, and it has been such a game changer. If your skin is dry, definitely just go to a health food store and buy sesame oil. It's just like buying coconut oil, but Apparently, um, from an Ayurvedic sense, it's more heating as opposed to cooling, which I don't really know what that means, but <laughs> for my body, apparently it's better if I use the sesame oil instead of the coconut oil. Our conversation today has obviously largely revolved around self-care and beauty, but I would love to know what what are some of your other passions or what would we find you doing on your kind of dream Sunday? Ooh, it's funny because I find Sundays really productive days for me. I think with the space, when I get when I get told, you know, you have a whole day off or you can just do whatever, I, I find I'm very creative. So I, on a Sunday, I'm generally doing a lot of creative work either for my brand or for other freelancing clients. I think also just because I am in my final year of my degree, which is a double degree of commerce and law and a diploma of Mandarin, it's very full on. And so I really do use my weekends or days off to get some more work in, which is not great. But aside from working, which I do actually really love, I love reading I have gotten into audiobooks in the in this lockdown and I am obsessed. I rip through like a book a week. It's amazing. I I think being a lifelong learner and being intelligent and 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 literate. I don't know. I love really intelligent smart people and I love reading books because it makes me feel like I'm learning. So if I'm not working, yeah, I'll be reading, practicing yoga, going for walks. I mean, a lot of these things are, are solo focused, obviously at the moment. Usually I'm hanging out with friends, but that hasn't been a, a, an opportunity for me to do. <laughs> exactly. So, um, and usually I'm also 
out at restaurants because I'm a big like lover of gastronomy and wine. Love, love, love. But obviously haven't been able to do any of that type of stuff. So I've been, it's a much more wholesome these days than I usually am. <laughs> and who inspires you? Who else inspires you in the uh, self-care or personal development or wellness space? Who do you love to follow or fill your feed with? Oh, that's really interesting because I don't, it's actually quite funny. I don't really follow or actively um, engage with other wellness brands. And I think that that's largely because I, in the process of, well, I am creating a wellness brand and I don't want there to be any sort of um, overlap or mm. feeling like I'm being um, unwittingly influenced or unconsciously like picking up somebody else's work and then putting it into my work, which can, which can happen in a weird way. So I'm pretty adamant on following, especially on social media. It's just really rant, like something that's nothing to do with wellness or self-care. Um, but I guess in terms of the kind of wellness self-care people that I either like read their books or listen to their podcasts, they're quite obscure in terms of the Australian market. They're not, they're generally overseas. Again, I think it's a nice barrier to, to not be listening too much to other Australian people in this space. Um, a longtime lover of mine has been Danielle Laporte. She's a Canadian author and she has really beautiful, um, she just thinks about it in a really beautiful way. I reread her book on the weekend, actually, White Hot Truth, and so much of this wellness fatigue and self-care fatigue that we're currently experiencing in the mainstream which Pandora in her book talks about, you know, Daniel Laporte was talking about that in 2015, 2016 in terms of, you know, from a spiritual lens though, where your spiritual practice becomes oppressive because you're trying to, you know, do all these different things and you've forgotten why you're even doing them and you're just trying to live up to this concept of this higher, better version of yourself that, is telling you that you have to meditate every day and you have to do X, Y, and Z. And it's just so, it's so funny because I rereading that, I was like, oh my God, this is exactly what's been happening at the moment in the mainstream, but it's just a different term. Now it's self-care fatigue as opposed to your spiritual practice fatigue. Um, so yeah, Daniel Laporte is great. And Sharon Salzberg, I mean, that's like very, these are very like classic wellness, a bit more spiritual on the spiritual side. She, her book, Real Love, is really beautiful. I listen a lot to the Ritual podcast. Um, he is a vegan endurance athlete and I'm not a vegan, but I love, have been obsessed with his podcast for a very long time. It's quite, a, goes into a different wormholes, but he does do a lot in terms of talking about wellness and the spiritual practices of meditation and mindfulness and all that type of stuff. So yeah, quite obscure references, but I don't know. I, I've been following these people since I was, you know, quite young, especially like Danielle Laporte and Sharon Salzberg. I came across Danielle Laporte when I was 16 years old, um, Rich Roll when I was 18. So these are kind of, I guess I just kind of stick to what I know and they feel comfortable for me to kind of go back to. We come to the final product on your list, which is the one that you always repurchase, which is the Beauty Chef Glow. Tell me about why you love this this one. Yeah, so this product, I only started using it maybe five or six months ago also, um, but it really just kind of encapsulates a lot about how I think about beauty, which is so it's so much of it is about the inside and kind of what's going on internally, whether that's within your body or within your mental state or within your spiritual body. It's just, it's a, it really does work. You know, I was quite skeptical at the beginning, um, but after using it for like a week, I was hooked. I was like, this is so incredible. And my skin is feeling, looking so much glowier and I just felt a lot better in my body. Um, and then, yeah, I love the the idea of or just the concept of, you know, taking care of your body to then like and seeing the manifestations of that for uh, on a beauty level. I used to take 
spirulina, which is this green superfood. And I, I used to take it in a powdered form, which is the most feral form that you can take <laughs> it. It's the most foul thing I've ever tasted. But I used to drink like a cup of that, uh, like a teaspoon in water, and I would just scull it and block my nose. And I did that for years from like 18 to 22 as a way to keep my skin really clear. And then I stopped doing it because it was just too disgusting. And so I love that Glow, the Beauty Chef's product, has kind of replaced a much, much, much more delicious version of, for me, it's a, it did quite similar things where it's made my skin really nice. So it's just a bit of an upgrade and definitely something that I will continue to repurchase. And how do you take your Glow? Do you do it in water or do you add it to a smoothie? What's your preference? I don't really like smoothies. Um, my acupuncturist says that it's because my – I'm a wood constitution in Chinese, ancient Chinese um, medicine. So I just take it with water. I I actually like think the taste is amazing. So I, I happily drink it as like a fun juice <laughs> that I can have <laughs> with my breakfast. Rachel, you have talked us through the eight products that you love or have a special place in your self-care regime. So now is the difficult part as I cast you away to Beauty Island. If the tide comes in and your products are floating away and you can only rescue one, which one of the ones that you've spoken about today will you take with you or will you save? Oh, that's hard, but it would have to be the organic sesame oil because I love I really don't like feeling dry like I love the feeling of like soft nourished skin and so if I don't have that if I don't moisturize every time I jump out of the shower like my mood is drastically 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 changed and if I was on a desert island with the sun which is just going to make me <laughs> even more dry I'd need that as like a staple definitely Fantastic choice. And you can always sing your favourite songs anyway. Exactly. <laughs> I think music would be the close second, <laughs> but the dry skin takes precedence. Thank you so much for talking us through your beauty journey, self-care, such thought-provoking um, commentary, and obviously also the great things that you are doing with self-care originals as well. So it has been such a delight chatting with you today. Oh, thank you. It's been so much fun. I've had a really good time. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Beauty Island with the incredible Rachel. You can find where to follow her, her brand, Self Care Originals, and of course, a full list of all the products that she spoke about in today's episode in the show notes. As I said, this is the last episode of the season and the year. So if you fancy chatting more beauty while the podcast is on a break, you can find me on Instagram, my personal beauty account at Brittany Beauty BTS where I regularly share products I'm loving and talk about all aspects of beauty culture. Or you can sign up to my regular beauty newsletter called It's a Beauty for my beauty column reviews and recommendations straight to your inbox. And as I mentioned earlier, if you are a Christmas lover like me, I highly recommend that you check out my Christmas podcast, A Christmas Binge, dropping weekly in December to get you geared up for the festive season, no matter what it looks like to you. And I know that this year will be quite a different Christmas season for lots of people. After the year it has been and continues to be, goodness knows we need some festive cheer this year. Thank you so much and until next year, bye-bye. <laughs>